0: You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. What's up, Hootah Nation? Welcome back inside another Straight Up Saints Podcast. It's your host, Chris Rose Voglu, and before you guys get started and listening to this episode if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast and leaving a review please do so right now on iTunes it helps every bit of it and also if you're interested in joining the Patreon page for just three dollars a month and earn cool perks like giveaways exclusive Saints columns videos um, first access and all that good stuff you can do so I'll leave the link to the description in this episode now for this one guys I got really a main topic I want to hit on and talk about Drew Brees and a couple of things about Drew Brees and just a little warning: it's probably going to be um, NSFW and a little bit about Alvin Kamara, which I'll talk about after. And that's not really so much the meat of this episode, but I definitely want to address Alvin Kamara's rating for for Madden, what he's been tweeting, what I think might be going down behind the scenes with the Saints that's worth monitoring for the uh, you know the foreseeable future. But let's talk about Drew Brees. So. There's a lot that goes into what I want to talk about Drew Brees. There's the, sadly, the political side of what's been going on, and then there's the human rights side and also the football side. I really, really, really want to talk about the football side, but before I talk about the football side, I need to talk about the more important thing. So we all know what happened with Drew Brees. We know what happened with the Anthem comments. We know how it was perceived by the public. We know how he went out and went on this apology tour. He even went out of his way to go tell President Trump, basically, you're doing it wrong like I was doing it wrong. And there was a lot of twists and turns in this. And for basically a week, you know, from that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Breeze was just dominating the headlines. And even now, Breeze is still posting stuff and trying to show that he's on the right track. But, you know, it just seems like it's never enough for certain people. And that was one thing that I knew was going to happen the minute he opened his mouth And basically made those tone-deaf, ignorant comments in the first place. It was once you make that remark, the absolute right thing is to apologize and show you've changed. But once you do that, you have to understand you are going to absolutely lose the other side of the spectrum. And in my opinion, that's fine because the other side of the spectrum is very unreasonable. But Drew has to know that. So ever since then, and I've been tweeting about it, I've been showing it to you guys. You pay attention to Drew's Twitter post, his Instagram post, whatever the hell he puts up. And usually it's linked, so it's the same thing. The immediate comments are, you know, Drew, you're a coward. Drew, you kneeled down to the mob. Drew, you don't respect our country. For those people saying that shit, and there's a lot of people that are just putting out that crap out there, saying, you know, I'm this great patriot and you're disrespecting my flag. One, please shut the fuck up. And two, if you really, really, really feel that way about Drew Brees... Don't watch the fucking season. Because let me tell you something. This is what's going to happen with these people, and I tweeted about it, and, and almost every single one of my followers who interacted with me agreed with me. All these people now who are going on Instagram, going on Twitter, and mad that Drew Brees is going against racism, which shows how freaking sad this country is, are now calling him a coward. Well, guess what? When the season begins, if it begins on time, and Drew has one of those vintage Drew performances with like four touchdowns and 300 passing yards and a nice game-winning drive to set up a, you know, a Lutz field goal for the win, guess what those same people are going to say? Oh, Drew, you're a legend. Drew, I've loved you since day one. You're the GOAT. You're the best. Keep that fake shit out of here, and I've said it multiple times, and I'll say it again. If that's how you feel, don't watch the fucking season. I'm sick and tired of these people who tell athletes, oh, stick to sports, don't get politics involved. But the minute something fucks with their political agenda, oh, I can't watch sports, you've ruined it. Shut the hell up. I mean, you're basically telling athletes to just shut up and and be entertainment. That's not going to happen. You guys tried the same shit with Michael Thomas, and now they're trying it with Drew Brees. And the bigger issue I have with Drew Brees is Drew Brees, and I've said it multiple times, I've tweeted about it, He deserved the criticism when he made those initial remarks. They were tone deaf. They were insensitive. They were completely ill-timed and he knows it. And that's why he's gone so far out of his way to say, I'm sorry, this is not who I am and all that stuff. And the fact that people are insulted by him apologizing, I mean, what world do you live in that apologizing for making wrong comments is apparently the wrong thing to do, but apparently it is for these people. So that's the important thing I wanted to talk about real quick about those People who just love to harp on him and say he's a coward and say, you know, he kneeled down to the mob and all that bullshit. Don't watch the fucking season if you feel that way because no one gives a shit. You know, watch all your news channels and stay tuned for the freaking election. Don't watch the goddamn season if that's the case. But I want to talk about Drew Brees, the player now, because Drew Brees is the fourth best-rated quarterback in Madden, and I know some people are going to say, who gives a shit about Madden? It's not about Madden per se. It's about the general perception and reaction to him being the fourth-ranked quarterback in Madden. A lot of people said, oh, well, you know what? All he does is throw slant passes. You know, all it's checkdowns. It's easy to be efficient. What the hell is going on with football, and and, and especially Drew Brees, that all of a sudden, if you want to turn on him for other things, I'm not saying I agree with it, but I know people are loonies, and, and I understand it, but this idea that he can't play quarterback anymore is pretty laughable. And the reason I say that is because people were mad he ranked over Breeze, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Breeze ranked over Aaron Rodgers, Brady, and Deshaun Watson. Well, interestingly enough, guys, those three played full seasons. Drew Breeze missed five games, really six games, because he only played, I think, two drives of that Rams game before you know uh, hurting his thumb. So he basically misses six games, and he throws for more touchdown passes than all three of those quarterbacks that I mentioned. Okay, So more than Brady more than Rodgers, more than Watson, throws for less interceptions. Drew Brees had a great season, and yet, of course, the season ended poorly, and he played bad, and I was so critical of him, and I bet some of you guys were too, and if not, maybe more critical than I was. But all of a sudden, there's this stupid narrative floating around that he's not that good anymore, so here's the deal. Highest-graded quarterback on third and fourth down in 2019. Drew Brees was ranked third in the NFL. Who is he behind? Kirk Cousins, which, man, whatever. And Russell Wilson, who I think is the second-best quarterback in the league behind Patrick Mahomes, and I think you guys have to agree. And if he's not, too, it's because you think he's the best, but I really obviously think Mahomes is the best, but that's not really the point here. Highest-graded against zone coverage through the 2017, 2018, 2019 seasons. First is Patrick Mahomes at 92.8. Drew Brees second, 92.3. So the gap is very, very thin. And let's be real, Mahomes has been doing things that no one has ever seen before. And yet Drew Brees is only a tick behind. So it shows you how efficient he's been against zone coverage. Well, how about against man coverage since 2017? Drew Brees is first, 92.4 rating. Who's second? Kirk Cousins, who, by the way, is a very efficient quarterback. And these numbers are just proving it to you. He came in second, but the difference—he was an eighty-nine point eight. So Drew Brees almost has a uh, has a two and a half point you know advantage over these quarterbacks against man coverage. And highest graded quarterback, and this one I think is the most important for the Drew Brees doubters here. Highest graded quarterback in one score games, and this is I believe since twenty seventeen as well from Pro, Bowl, Pro Football Focus. It's Mahomes and Brees tied at ninety three point four. And a lot of you are going to sit there and say, yep, I I knew it. You know, he always shows up in one-score games. And then there's the other side to this whole thing. And this is the problem. It's like the Saints haven't won a Super Bowl since 2009. So people are, you know, they've run out of patience. And the way the Saints have lost, it's just heartbreaker after heartbreaker after heartbreaker. And Drew Brees hasn't played necessarily great in any of them. He's had great moments. You know, he played decently well you know, towards the end of that Vikings game last year, but obviously didn't do enough, and that fumble really, you know, pissed people off. He played really well in the second half of that Minnesota Miracle game, and the Rams game, he played well in the first half. He was making great throws, but the Saints kept coming up with field goals instead of touchdowns, and then second half, he doesn't play that well. So, I get it. A lot of people are going to say, I don't understand how he's graded that high. He doesn't show up, but we're also forgetting a lot of the big games. Are we forgetting against Houston with less than a minute left? He gets them into field goal range for the win. And we're talking about backed up in zone territory, getting all the way to, to, you know, field goal range with one timeout remaining, I believe it was. And he's able to do that. Well, how about that San Francisco game? I know the 49ers win the game, but it's because the Saints scored too quick. And that's actually been the story of Drew Brees' career, actually, has been a lot of times where he scores too quick and the defense ends up giving it up. Now, I'm not here to harp on the defense. I love this defense that the Saints have going for them. But that San Francisco 49ers game, you lose it 48 to 46. I don't know how you blame the freaking quarterback. I just don't. I don't, and remember, they score late with about like a minute left. Traquan Smith scores that touchdown, and all you need to do is get a stop. It's fourth down, and Jimmy throws to Kittle. Kittle goes down the field. Marcus Williams with a face mask, yada, yada. We know how that game ends. That's not the only one. Carolina Panthers, New Orleans Saints. Panthers miss a field goal. Saints go all the way down the end and score and, and kick a game-winning field goal where they're basically backed up in their own end zone and get all the way down there, so Drew Brees has shown on multiple occasions uh, last season that he can still do it when he needs to. Uh, that's not a question for me. I'm not worried about that. Now, they do they need to finish the job? Absolutely. And I think that's a lot of stress and people just running out of patience. And that's why you get frustrated with a guy like Drew. But, you know, some people are telling me, oh, you wouldn't rather have Rodgers or you wouldn't rather have Deshaun Watson. It's like, If you're telling me for one season, who would I rather have? I'd rather have Breeze over those quarterbacks. The only three quarterbacks I would take over Breeze, and the third one I'm even iffy on. So I'm going to say the only two quarterbacks for the 2020 season I would want over Breeze, Mahomes and Wilson, because they're better, they're younger, they're more athletic. Um, I I would say they're more explosive. They have a better arm right now, and that's because Drew's 41, obviously, although Mahomes would have a better one than him regardless. Um, But those are the two. Because I think with Breeze, you know what you're getting. You're getting efficiency. You're getting leadership. You're getting a guy that at least, you know, you want to say something about the playoffs, fine. But at least for the regular season, I know in a one-score game, if he has the ball last. They're going to win that game. If he has the ball last. The problem is he doesn't always have the ball last because they score too quick. And then the defense gives up the touchdown. But if he has the ball last, I feel very confident about him in that regard. And I'm also very curious to see why people have just completely fallen off that train. Because not only is it, oh, well, I don't know if Drew Brees is that good anymore. It's all of a sudden Sean Payton gets all the credit. I am about the biggest Sean Payton fan you will find. I, you know, when when Drew was out, I couldn't help but rave about the, you know, the the plays he was putting in, the way the offense continued to chug along. I mean, when they beat the crap out of the Bears in Windy City, I was like, holy crap, that might have been. One of the best coaching games in Champagne, had He put on an absolute clinic, okay? An absolute clinic, okay? You got a fullback tossing into Taysom Hill on one of those plays for a long run. I mean, he was just saying, this is why I'm better than Matt Nagy as a head coach. I'm going to prove it right now. That, that was it. But, like, do we have short-term, like, do we have long-term memory loss, I guess I'd say? Because Teddy Bridgewater, who I love dearly, it was absolute garbage against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I believe they only had 13 points. And if it wasn't for a late touchdown on to Jared Cook, the Saints might lose that game. How about the Dallas Cowboys game where he takes an unnecessary sack. The Saints don't even score a touchdown that game. They win 12 to 10 because the defense was on another level. The Seattle game, he did not play that well. He did what he had to do to make sure they didn't lose. But Teddy wasn't some wild quarterback. Teddy was really good in the Chicago game and really good in the Tampa Bay game. And the other three games, one, he was mediocre at best. And the other two, he was arguably, arguably the worst quarterback on the field that Sunday. Like, that's how bad he played against Jacksonville. That's how bad he played against Dallas. And this is not a slight on Teddy Bridgewater because Teddy Teddy Bridgewater, if you're telling me there's 32 starting quarterbacks, he deserves to be one of them. I will never take that away from the guy. Great story, smart dude. And in an NFL that doesn't have many quarterbacks, he absolutely is a starting quarterback. But you see the difference because when Drew Brees comes in and that thumb starts feeling well, what do you do? You start putting 30-plus in Arizona, 40-plus, on, on the 49ers. You start putting 30-plus on Indy, 30-plus on Tennessee, 30-plus on Carolina, 30-plus on Carolina. Again, the Saints just kept coming at you with this offense that if they didn't get stopped against Minnesota in the wild card game and look as flat as they did, people would have been talking about an insane run for a 40-plus-year-old quarterback who was doing this in the second half of the season when they usually get tired. And that's why narrative and context is important. Like... I am so with you guys. The Minnesota miracle loss, uh, not the Minnesota miracle, the Minnesota loss this past season was so deflating and disappointing because you felt like the Saints team was better than that. And 13-3 and and losing the first round of the playoffs, it's just pathetic. But don't let that cloud your judgment completely, you know? Michael Thomas had 70 receiving yards in that game. Am I going to say Michael Thomas is, is not that good? Absolutely not. I've been telling you guys for the last year and a half, I think he's the best receiver in football. One game will not cloud my judgment looking forward of really good players like a Breeze, like a Michael Thomas, like an Alvin Kamara, who I'm going to talk about in just a minute. So I think that's important. So two things real quick just to wrap that up. One, if you're talking about Drew Breeze from this whole political human rights aspect, which, by the way, people who get political don't even consider human rights, which is disgusting. If you are that upset that Drew Breeze will, you know, has defended his teammates to kneel for the flag, and you really don't want to watch the football season, do us all a favor, don't, and stop commenting on the man's post. You just First off, you're just exposing yourself for being a racist, and two, stop being a fucking dickhead, because that's what you're doing. And and that's why I really want those people to just shut up and stop watching football if that's the case. So that's for the political people. And two, for the people who think Drew Brees has fallen off, I gave you the numbers, and we went through the context. He's not falling off. His arm strength is not there anymore but that is not, that's not his moneymaker. A guy like Rodgers, a guy like Brady, they loved throwing over the top. They don't have that anymore. You see that decline a little bit more noticeably than Drew Brees, who is still efficient, will absolutely torch you up in the intermediate passing game, and I think will continue to do so even at the age of 41. So let me get into Alvin Kamara before I wrap up this episode, guys, and talk about not just the Madden rating, because this isn't just about Madden. This isn't a video game episode. I don't even play Madden anymore, truthfully speaking, um, but this is about the... Way Alvin Kamara is viewed against his peers. So Alvin Kamara is the tenth best running back in the upcoming coming Madden game, and I get it. He was injured last year. He only had thirteen hundred scrimmage yards, which is a down year. Which is funny because Joe Mixon had thirteen hundred scrimmage yards, and that was considered a career year, which just shows how good Kamara's been. And there's a lot of people wondering what the hell, you know, why do you get that grade? Even Kamara, Kamara is not really sure. I mean, he said they gave him an injury grade, and he also put out the yawning emoji. So clearly, he feels like they're sleeping on him. And I think it's interesting to to think about Kamara. And I, I don't know. I mean, I could understand if Madden people are not watching the season, they don't realize he's injured because at the end of the day, they're game developers and not football, you know, analysts, and they they don't really know their shit as much as other people. But, man, like the running backs they were putting ahead of him, it was questionable at best, and I'm going to go through them. So Josh Jacobs, a rookie who I thought was outstanding with uh, the Raiders. Well, not Vegas Raiders. It still feels weird to say. He's actually above Kamara, which I find really interesting because Josh Jacobs is a pure runner. He's probably better than Kamara, like as a running back, like strictly running between the tackles. Is he better? I think he probably is because that's really his natural position. But Josh Jacobs is offering next to nothing – in the passing game, and Kamara, you know what you're getting. You're getting like 500 receiving yards, 80 receptions, 81 to be exact, and that's every year. So give me Kamara over Josh Jacobs. I don't understand that. Joe Mixon ranked over Kamara. I don't understand the obsession with Joe Mixon. I think he's a good running back, but if you ask all 32 GMs, would they rather have Joe Mixon or Kamara, I bet they're all going to tell you Kamara outside of maybe the Bengals, and the reason they're doing that is because you get more with Kamara. The NFL is always looking for guys that can beat someone in a multitude of ways. And that's literally what Kamara does. He's going to beat you in the receiving game. He's going to beat you in the running game. He is going to you know, beat you with his quickness. He's going to beat you with his ability to be shifty. He's got incredible balance, probably better balance than any other running back in the league. And when you think you got him down for a second, all of a sudden he shoots out and gets 10 more yards. You don't see that with Joe Mixon. You also don't see that with jo- uh, Josh Jacobs. So those are two, I would say, immediately, that I'm putting Kamara over. Aaron Jones. This is the guy who I absolutely will never understand the fascination for. I understand the fantasy football fascination over Aaron Jones. What I don't understand is how people could actually sit here and tell me Aaron Jones is a better running back than Alvin Kamara. And this isn't just, you know, because all of a sudden my anti-Packers agenda is like slipping in here. It's the fact that Aaron Jones is a guy who finally breaks through, has over 1,000 rushing yards, and I give it to him. But Aaron Jones needed to be force-fed because the Packers' offense wasn't working unless they were by the goal line and handling it off to Aaron Jones. And I get he had a lot of touchdowns. He had 16 touchdowns. That's a lot. But I am not in the slightest, if I'm a defensive coordinator worried about Aaron Jones compared to what I'd be worried against if I'm facing Kamara. And also while we're at it, I believe four of those touchdowns from Aaron Jones came against the freaking Cowboys. So like, all right, congrats. You beat up on Dallas, but what are you doing in the big spots? What are you doing against the 49ers? In the NFC championship game? Nothing. You know, I, I'm, I'm skeptical on Aaron Jones. I'm skeptical about him. For one year, you have a breakout season. Alvin Kamara has a down season in quotes, and he's still better than him in my opinion. So I would put him over Mixon. I put him over Jacobs. I put him over Jones. And this is the one that I'm going to talk about that cracks me up because I don't understand it. Dalvin Cook, great running back, ranked you know I'd be three rating you know three overall rating better than uh, Alvin Kamara. So Kamara gets injured. We you know we penalize him. He goes down doesn't get a high rating Dalvin Cook is injured every goddamn year of his career all of a sudden he's healthy for one year and guess what he shoots up like a motherfucker on that ratings and now he's like a 91 and the only running backs better than him are Zeke Nick Chubb Derek Henry and Christian McCaffrey who are all actually really better than Dalvin Cook and a lot of people say Nick Chubb who it's like I know Cleveland sucks but watch Nick Chubb the Duke and ball and I will not understand the Dalvin Cook one because it's almost a double standard so Dalvin Cook's injured his rating never takes a hit and when he's healthy we shoot him up I mean, Kamara's injured but still playing through the injuries, by the way. He gets absolutely penalized with his overall. Don't understand the Josh Jacobs fascination. Don't understand the Joe Mixon fasc- uh, fascination. Don't understand the Aaron Jones one. So that's really it when it comes down to that. And I think Kamara's going to have a breakout season. I've said it multiple times. I think he is going to have double digit touchdowns. I think he's going to have 1,500, 1,600 scrimmage yards around that ballpark. I don't think he's going to go all McCaffrey and have 2,000 scrimmage yards because the Saints don't need to be as dependent. On Kamara like the Panthers do. I mean, the Panthers. It was McCaffrey, it was DJ Moore, and that was it. Maybe a little bit of Curtis Samuel here and there, but really McCaffrey was the 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 you know the workhorse in that backfield, but also in the receiving game. So I don't think he's going to be used as much as he will, but I think Kamara's going to have 1,600 scrimmage yards. I think he could have 12 to 15 touchdowns. I think his yards per touch, which was 5.3 this past season, will shoot up to a 5.8, to 5.9, which would be close to his second season. His first season was over 7 yards per touch. You're not reaching that. That's just an insane number, and a lot of it was because he wasn't used as much and was getting big runs off maybe 3 to 4 carries. So his yards per touch went through the roof there. So I think Kamara will be better in those departments. And also... I teased it early in the show. Kamara's tweets have been very cryptic. All I'm saying is a lot of extensions are getting done. I've always been on the the side that I don't think Kamara would be in New Orleans for the long haul because I don't know if Sean Payton would want to pay a running back back that much. But if Sean Payton thinks Alvin Kamara is that special and he's not 100% sure that he can replace Alvin Kamara, I wouldn't be that shocked if Alvin Kamara had an extension done before the regular season. I wouldn't. I think he looks in great shape. I think even if you pay him, Kamara's the type of dude you pay him I'm not worrying about him slacking off. I sometimes have that doubt about Lattimore. Not 100% sure on it. It's just my gut feeling right now. But if you pay Kamara, I feel like he's the type of guy, you pay him, he's still going to ball out on Sundays. It doesn't affect anything for him. Um, And I'm not saying the Saints are definitely going to extend him, but I'm saying there is a couple of, you know, tea leaves out there if you guys want to read them and see what's going on. And it just seems like the Saints are dropping hints and Kamara's dropping hints And if the value is good, if the value is good, if the years aren't long, I think he's worth the investment. I've said it multiple times. I actually talked about it with Justin Mello last time I had him on the podcast. We said, hey, you know, three year 39, would you sign up for it? And I'm like, you know what? Three years, you're still getting him in his prime. You're basically getting Kamara at like 25, 26, 27, 28. I'm doing it. And then you don't resign him after that. I don't think, I think you let him walk, but I think I'd do it. And I know a lot of you like 13 million for running back. Absolutely the hell not, but it's the new game three year, 36, three year, 39. I think the saints would be smart to sign up for that. Um, So we'll see what happens there, obviously. But anyway, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of the straight up saints podcast. I want to thank you guys so much for listening. And remember um, that your training camp is supposed to start the 28th. It's the 15th. This time of this recording, I would look out for that. I wouldn't be shocked if training camp gets pushed back a couple of weeks. They still haven't agreed on any deals, which obviously is depressing, no doubt about that. But at least you guys have Zion to watch in about two weeks from now when they play the Utah Jazz. So at least New Orleans sports fans have something to worry about and something to focus on um, to keep them at least, I would say, distracted for the next couple of weeks. But, guys, I'll keep you guys updated on what happens there. Um Stay tuned for more content on Twitter. I've been posting a lot of stuff lately. I've recently put up something about the Saints roster and how there's you know so many young talented guys under the age of twenty six. Pretty impressive list with Kamara, Marcus Williams, Ryan Ramchick, Marshawn Lattimore, um, all the way down there. Davenport, Hendricks, and Anzalone. Go check that out on Twitter. Make sure to follow me there at Rose Vogel Report. I'll hit you guys back with a follow as well but that's going to do it guys I want to thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Straight Up Saints podcast subscribe and rate the podcast if you haven't already Um, I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week a fantastic day and a even better tomorrow